0: Hello, and welcome to The Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is January twenty second, 2017. This is the sixth episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that's found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. You can now subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. If you're new to the show, we're hoping to have these podcasts happen at least every weekend, but also during certain weekdays, generally lining up with the evenings of when big game news breaks. Now first, I open the show for about 10 minutes to reflect on the show's main topic. And after a small commercial break, we set up callers to join the show, either to discuss the show's main topic or to bring up any gaming question of their own choosing. Once that's run its course, I'll end the show with a fun segment, and we'll call it a day, hopefully in about an hour's time. And if that sounds like your kind of podcast, let's get right into it. Spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about spoilers. Now, what is considered a spoiler? Well, Wikipedia gives the definition as an element of a disseminated summary or description of any piece of fiction that reveals any plot elements which threaten to give away important details. That's a pretty fair definition. It's most commonly like a midpoint plot twist, the climax of a story, or its ending. And of course, this is referring to once a media has already been released, but before a subject has viewed it, or read it, or experienced it. Because everyone can't experience a piece of media as soon as it's released, and thus discussing spoilers becomes a concern. Now, when we talk about spoilers in video games, I mean, there are certainly many, many famous ones. I mean, Samus is a woman, Sephiroth kills Aerith, Sheik is Zelda, the protagonist is Darth Revan, Would You Kindly? The list goes on. And those are certainly some well-known ones, but even for this list, I had to be careful because people are very picky about what they consider a spoiler. And just for those to be the most famous ones, I mean, that says something, really. So why do we try to preserve spoilers? Well, of course, careful thought has been put into good plot twists. I mean, there's a lot of hard work that went into it, and there's a certain amount of emotion that the writers want to derive out of the player. So games are also longer time commitments than movies, and so maybe that's why people are more picky about game spoilers, it seems, you know, as opposed to a two-hour commitment with a movie, versus a 40-plus-hour RPG. Like, there's there's a big difference there. Ultimately, though, I think we like to try to preserve spoilers about the games we care about because we want other people to be surprised just like how we were surprised. And, you know, to possibly dispel that notion is, is a tough thing to really to do to someone else. Some have asked, though, is it better to be spoiled? Now, there's a study that suggests that people who have stories spoiled beforehand are actually happier when they experience those same stories. It comes from 2011 from the University of California, San Diego, and it appears in Psychological Science. Now, the possibilities of why there's better hedonistic value or more pleasure as the, uh, the study elaborates, there's a couple possibilities. Uh, one, they argue that the plot doesn't matter, that it's the writing that derives the enjoyment. Or, what I think is probably more possible, is that once you know the basics of the plots, it's easier to focus on the more detailed elements, and then that's what derives the enjoyment. I mean, think about when you rewatch something, and you say, wow, I never noticed that the first time around. Well, yeah, the first time around, you're trying to grasp the basic tenets of the plot, whereas once that's all you know, cleared for you, you're noticing on the finer points, the, the really noticeable things. Overall, I think it's important to discuss narrative twists in games, and when we talk about the medium of games, we often compare them to movies, and you know, certainly film has been around a lot longer than games, so there are definitely more examples of movie and narrative plot twists. I mean, of course, you have Darth Vader as Luke's father, Rosebud as a sled, Tyler Durden isn't real, and Bruce Willis's character was dead all along, and again, those are just the famous ones. But do these more well-known spoilers depend on the media's mass popularity or certain, let's say games for example, are you know really key plot twists from not as well-known games, are those tougher to spoil or you know something that we don't want to spoil as often or you know is something like a big Star Wars twist is that becoming common knowledge because of its big mass market appeal? It's something maybe to consider. I think the real question I want to get down to is How soon is too soon? When it comes to games, is it okay to openly discuss the killer in Heavy Rain? What about the linchpins of the mysteries in the Professor Layton games? Maybe the intricacies of the happenings in the plot in Undertale? If I had to argue for a certain time period, I would say one year would be the statute of limitations for me for talking about a game spoilers openly. Let's say particularly on social media. Because if you get posts saying, like, exactly what's happening on social media, like, right as you're playing it and people discover that, like, you're kind of coming off as a bit of a jerk. There has to be a certain time period before, you know, it's acceptable, And certainly, that will range for different people, but I think it also depends on how committed you are to talking about games and thinking about games and having these conversations about games. And certainly, if you're listening to and considering calling into this show, like that's important for you to stay up to date and know about these games, but of course, you want to give yourself that buffer time, and that's why I think a year after release is pretty fair. And of course, using spoilers on social media as a means to be vindictive and to get after somebody, that's never acceptable. That's just mean. So, it presents an interesting case, actually, recently for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now, certainly many people for games that they care about go on what they call media blackout. And that's where they don't want to hear anything about the game. They don't want to look at any trailers just anything could possibly be considered a spoiler for them. And that's where the range of what is considered a spoiler really kind of broadens itself, right? I mean, some people don't want to listen to a game's soundtrack or music. They don't want to know any dungeon theming, any humorous moments. And it's a different game, but a recent example I came up with, humorous moments, was, uh, I don't know if you saw the video for Yakuza 0. The main character is at this sort of establishment And he wants to get a turkey, a cooked turkey. And the waitress that's there, the hostess, says, oh, here we have this. And it's a chicken. It's a live chicken. And the character is fascinated by this. He says, oh, it's a chicken. Well, I want him part of my team. And they're like, oh, you, you sure? And yep, let's give the chicken a role on my Yakuza team. It's moments like this where, okay, maybe some people could consider that a spoiler, but for others, that might sell them on the game entirely. They might not have heard of Yakuza 0, but they see that sort of scene, they see that kind of style of humor, and maybe that sells a copy of that game. It's, It's something to consider. But another interesting thing with Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a possible leak that occurred of people being very particular and noticing the smallest details. So during the Nintendo Treehouse stream for Nintendo Switch, Reggie Fils-Aimé showed off the map, the cloth map that is apparently given out in the special editions of the game. They flipped it over and they showed, apparently writing in Hylian around one of the sides of the map. And so some YouTubers went in a Discord channel, they translated it to Japanese, then they translated it to English, and basically, it kind of lays out the backstory of the game. Now, certainly, some people could consider that a spoiler, and we won't really talk about that here. Though, if you do watch that video, it's it's really interesting, and actually makes me more excited for Breath of the Wild to be honest, because it's it's seeming to be a very interesting story. But you know, certainly some people may want to avoid that if they want to go in blind or you know totally media blackout. That's why I'd like to present the idea of spoiler casts. And certainly it's not the first time someone has come up with the idea of a spoiler cast. But I think the possibility of this show doing spoiler casts could be a promising one. I think that, you know, whether it's a month or two after beating certain big games, we can host calls and sort of special episodes in a way where those who have beaten the games and can talk about it knowledgeably can call in and we can just go into full details about the game as a way of catharsis in a way. Because when you play a game and you beat it, you're in an in-group. You're in a group that knows the details of that game more intimately than anyone else. And sure, media outlets can provide conversations nearly immediately that you can go watch and listen to. And yeah, there are definitely outlets that do that. and that's It works, certainly. But with this show, to have your own voice be a contribution into that full conversation. I think that can be something different. And so just some thoughts I'd like to consider with spoiler cast as a possibility for this show, something we can do for special episodes. But also in general for spoilers, like how soon is too soon? Is a year appropriate for, you know, when a game comes out to openly talk about it or Would that still be an issue for some people? I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So that's what I'd have to say. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. Love to hear your thoughts. And you can also bring up whatever gaming topic you'd like to discuss. That's certainly fine. But also don't forget, you can also reply to what another caller had to say too. I'm here in a hotel room. I'm here in Portland, Maine. I'm on a work trip, but still want to talk to you guys. So that's all when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. I haven't gotten any complaints yet from people surrounding my hotel room. The walls aren't hopefully too thin, but we'll still take some calls, so let's see what you have to say. From Illinois, Video Game Guru 64, welcome back to the Power Switch. Hello. Hey, good to hear you. What's up? I wanted to
1: uh, talk about my backlog since you talked about it last time, mm-hmm. and what? I didn't get a chance to talk about it because. I have a ton of games on my backlog.
0: (laughs) What what are some games that are on that big backlog there?
1: Well, first, I have uh, Fire Emblem, uh, Conquest, and uh, Revelations I still have to finish.
0: Okay, but you went through Birthright. How did you like that?
1: Yeah. Uh, Birthright I really like, but I can see the flaws in it, and Conquest is kind of looking like the same uh, game, but only uh, flipped. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should just go f- through Revelations instead.
0: Well, maybe. I mean, I think Conquest would provide, you know, a certain perspective of the different characters on the Nor side there. Uh, and apparently, Conquest is also way harder. Like, yeah. I only got so far through Birthright, like, not even that far at all. I think it was not too much past the initial decision. Um, so. I kind of, you know, wimped out there. Uh, but I, I hear good things about Revelations, but yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe at least try Conquest on a lower difficulty.
1: I was thinking uh, casual and the lowest difficulty that it can go because uh, on way I did do classic and maybe hard for a few chapters and then went down to uh, normal.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's any shame in that. I mean... The firearm games are notoriously hard. With that, and I'm and I'm then, someone who has no problem with playing on easier difficulties.
1: Yeah, and then I have uh, Dragon Quest Seven that I have to complete, kind of. Yeah, and that's because... that's
0: a long game.
1: I know, and then uh, I picked up Dragon Quest VIII this past weekend.
0: <laughs> Boy, yeah, it's probably a good idea. I mean, you don't know how many copies they'll sell or how many copies will be available. I mean, it's good to have just for the collection, but man, those are definitely meaty games on 3DS.
1: Yeah, and then uh, from like 2015 or 2016, early 2016, I have uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. Oh, yeah. I still yeah. haven't uh, finished... And uh, Bravely Second, I still haven't finished. Mm-hmm. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I still have a lot of JRPGs on my 3DS. I mean, you, I don't have the Dragon Quest games, but you mentioned Bravely series. I have Bravely Default, haven't touched it yet. Been meaning to. Uh, that's got yeah, that game's got a great great soundtrack. Um, but also Shingami Tensei Four. Uh, that's another one. Like I have it, haven't started it yet. Really, really should do that.
1: I have started it, but I haven't finished it. That's another game that I uh, need to finish.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, when you get out of a loop with a certain game and you stop playing it for a while, and then when you get back in, it's like, oh, how do I play this again? Where am I again? And with JRPGs especially, I mean, that's that's tough.
1: The the problem is I'm all in on Pokemon since last November. (laughs) It's just all Pokemon all the time.
0: Yeah, that's totally fair with 3DS. I mean, I think many of us who do have a 3DS are, are in that kind of same boat. That was certainly the last game I played on 3DS. I actually just had my 3DS SD card corrupt itself, which is an awful, awful thing to have happen because it's even this error where I tried downloading something from the eShop and it won't let me, so it comes up like an eShop error, but it's really, we can't save anything to your SD card anymore. And? And then you can't transfer anything, you can't upload anything. It's like, no, that's... Several years of progress gone. Okay, well, bring on yeah. Nintendo Switch.
1: Well, and another thing of Nintendo Switch, you have to get a good SD card uh, in order to have better non-corrupting data. I listened to uh, Total Biscuit uh, recently, and he said uh, the SD cards can get corrupted very easily. So,
0: it's very very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think you know at least an SDXC would probably be a good idea. I'm probably going towards like a 64 gig for Switch launch. I mean, that's like 16 bucks if you can, if you know where to look and you just got to make sure to get a good read and write speed. That's, that's probably the most important. Yeah. Anything else in your backlog?
1: Uh, Dragon Ball Fusion.
0: Mm Hmm. I haven't heard too much about that one. What's that one like?
1: Uh, I I haven't even started it. (laughs) I got it for Christmas and I still haven't started it yet. Mm hmm. I've been watching uh, tFs gaming, the Team four star. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. gaming talk about it, and uh, they said it is kind of like
0: Pokemon. So well, oh, that's interesting. I, I've heard that game be compared to Pokemon, but also uh, World of Final Fantasy also compared positively to Pokemon. That's yeah, it's really interesting that more games are kind of trying to, you know, take that route of approach. and it, it actually reminds me of how. Uh, Grant from TFS Gaming. I, I know him very well from old podcast days. I've actually been wanting to possibly ask him to be a, a guest on this show sometime. So that reminds me of that. I want to have to do that sometime.
1: Yeah. yeah. The second uh, topic that I wanted to bring up was Zelda Breath of the Wild uh, spoilers and uh, how I'm avoiding them, but I kind of wanted to see the story, kind of. So I kind of looked in there but not as much as some people
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. now i mean i guess to try to avoid those because I, I do want to respect for people who are trying to go on or who would consider you know those kind of backstory uh spoilers i, I don't want to really discuss them too much because i, I well you know games come out and are a year out i think that's a different thing uh but you know when a game still is yet to come out i do want to respect that but from what you read like are you excited about what that could possibly bode for the story yes yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: definitely i i don't know this exactly but i i theorize that the tribes of hyrule are going to band together and defeat uh this calamity ganon mm-hmm. that would be cool to me to see but yeah
0: yeah and then that, and that kind of that would almost remind me of uh mass effect in a way with all the different you know, species banding together to beat the big evil. Um, yeah, I think yeah. what's most interesting about that leak is where it possibly places it in the timeline. And it's, yeah, without saying much, like it's it's something worth exploring. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that a lot. But if, yeah. you know, if you can't wait, you know, and you feel like it would, you know, further excite you, you know, go check it out. But yeah, if you're going on Blackout, I'd, I'd say stay away. I think you'll be delightfully surprised.
1: Yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to talk about. Very good. So.
0: Well, if people haven't heard you on the show before, you can find you on Twitter and other forms on the internet at Video Game Guru 64 Yep. Great. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Really appreciate the time. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> also from Illinois, Yvonne, welcome back to the Power Switch. How are you doing? Hello. Hey, what's up? What do you want to talk about?
2: So I wanted to talk about, because you mentioned something, a really interesting thing that I had no idea about honestly makes me feel kind of better that I'm not alone on this. So you mentioned in a university, you said California was yeah, it?
0: UC San Diego. Yeah.
2: That people who learn about spoilers, enjoy a piece of entertainment or art more like if it was movies or literature or like games. And I find that interesting cause that's kind of my philosophy on it too. Like if it's something newer, I try to steer clear of spoilers, right? but for the most part, sometimes... A good example of this was all the Arkham games. I really like the character of Batman. I'm always curious to see what villains are in there.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Oh my goodness. So the night before before I was even allowed to play the game, because I was like 7th grade and I got the game, I was so excited. I was like, nope, you got to go to bed. It's uh, it's late now. And I'm like, why? And so...
0: (laughs) Was this Asylum or City?
2: City. Oh, wow. Okay, yep. And I looked up the whole damn plot, and I'm like, this is awesome. And then I <laughs> played it, and I did not care. I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. Because the whole, well, I don't know if anybody's played the game, so I don't want to spoil anything.
0: Right, so I right. Want.
2: Arkham Knight, story-wise and gameplay, it's still a fun game. Still, there was cool villains I like to see, like the serial killer mission I really like. Again, I won't spoil who that is, but I mm-hmm. was like, that was a really cool, um like obscure
0: character. And I don't think Origins gets enough credit, but that was a really good story if the gameplay was a bit derivative and just the same.
2: That's what I felt like too. The boss fights were the best though.
0: Mm, um, Deathstroke was what I played. Was just Deathstroke tough.
2: was Oh, it was awesome though. Um, I like,
0: okay, I'm sorry. Like this is what I mean. So like I think it's okay to say that like you fight Deathstroke in Arkham Origins. Like I'm sorry. It's been more than three years. It's a boss in the early to middle part of the game. I don't think it, you know, is is crucial. But, like, to say that, like, oh, the, the one boss that you fight and is really tough and you have to block, block, block. Like, I shouldn't have to say that. <laughs> I think this is part of the conversation.
2: Yeah, no, I just thought it was a cool boss fight. <laughs> no, it was great, yeah. But, yeah, in other cases, too, like, it's very um not important but it helps for sure like even if it's especially rpgs i think really big open world games because i'm someone who tends to i play a game and i don't play the whole game i move on to the next one because of my you know attention span and because i still want to try to experience you know whatever i can you know
0: right right yeah
2: ultimately i don't think spoilers totally ruin something look at adaptions for example like a book I hear a lot of people complain actually how they don't stick to the book.
0: Right. That's a good point.
2: And and, and it's like I think part of that is because if an idea is done well, it's one thing if it's an idea like this happens. It's the execution of that idea that matters. Like in Arkham Origins, okay, so the part where a certain villain is revealed. So I thought that was kind of cool how they pulled it off because it was like, I kind of knew I didn't get to spoil, but then like right before it happens, I kind of know. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. And then he pulls. Yeah. yeah. And then he, yeah. And I was like, Oh wow. Like the music, maybe sometimes how the music is just the overall execution.
0: Yeah. certainly players when they become experienced enough with, I think media as a whole and, you know, certainly movies help with that books help with that. There aren't many games that are very bold when it comes to taking the risks with the narrative so narratives can become predictable and yeah. so you know when something comes out of nowhere uh so you know to say Bioshock Infinite's ending like not many people saw that coming there was certainly a lot of foreshadowing uh, as to you know what happened in Bioshock Infinite but at the same time to really be surprised by that those moments don't happen too often so yeah when you mention you know that you could kind of see it coming I think that kind of leans towards that like it's and especially if you're familiar with the uh, the canon, as it were.
2: Of uh, what, Batman? Yeah. or just yeah. In ge- Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, it's like um, people watch Let's Plays, you know. And it can be argued that, you know, that can spoil it. But the thing about games is that an idea is an idea, but, like, if it's implemented into a game, you, like, play it. Yeah. That's the whole point. You can watch a game. But if you're watching it, you're not playing it so you're not really experiencing it you know what happens but you're not you're kind of just watching you're not really there for the ride
0: it's back to what I was uh, talking about before in the main topic there but there are certain games where like I'd hate to spoil it for some people and like I wonder oh. what's the difference there uh, like the Zero Escape some. games like I, I could you know say to drop some spoilers but they'd make no sense out of context plus yeah. I would also want players to experience that but would I love to talk about those, you know, unfettered? Well, sure. But at, at the same time, like, it's also a niche sort of game, and you know, some people—there's a lot of people that still have yet to play it. And would I want them to? Yeah, sure. When it comes to looking up the games that you're really interested in, you know, just kind of diving in, like, yeah. do you actually spoil like you know full plot details then, or how how far in do you so- go?
2: I don't go too far, and I'll look at certain like key moments and stuff. Like not like, but I don't go like. And then this happens, and then this happens. Like, this is not video games, but like comics. There's a lot of reviewers who mm-hmm. spoil. They just run down the comic, and I like them, but I don't always watch those videos. But I think they're necessary if you want to get your feet wet in the comic, or if comics have a lot of continuity crap going on, and they they change continuity and reboot constantly. Mm-hmm. And, right. Um, so
0: yeah. So, but you're not looking up like the ending of the game.
2: I don't look up the ending always. Like I don't look up the exact ending. No, I just wanted to see what villains. were <laughs> In right. Batman.
0: Yeah, I, I, I look
2: think I think the that's exact. fine. I did get the ending spoiled anyways because my frickin' brother.
0: Oh <laughs> no! See, yeah, when people do that just to be mean, like that's that's no fair. Like that's. No,
2: he yeah. actually. So he forced me to watch the video. He was younger than me and. <laughs> And he's like, do it, or I'm going to – I forget what happened because he was, like, daring me. I don't know. I think he dared me to do it because then he, like, get mad at me or something. Really. Oh, I'm man. Like, I'm like, fine. And then I watched and I'm like, what the hell?
0: <laughs> I yeah, that, that's thats a weird one to see <laughs> total out what of context. Oh
2: man? Thanks. And then he got spoiled, too. And I'm like, yeah, you got spoiled, too, you little
0: <laughs> – yeah. So I, I think it, there's definitely different – Kind of uh, ways of you know being spoiled like that. Um, when it came to this study, like they were given short plot descriptions, including the ending, and there were different types of stories. Like there was one like mystery, and uh, you know certain things like that. So they they were aware of the ending. But yeah, when it comes to games, you're excited for. I mean, I, I think there's no problem with you know going into the hype culture of it. Um, you know, for Persona Five in particular, like I've downloaded the soundtrack. I listened to that. You know. <laughs> Every couple days, at least, Uh, I'm aware of the types of different dungeons, but I don't look up the different plot elements. I mean, I'm keeping myself, you know, moderately in check. And, you know, part of that is, like, don't look at YouTube comments. Like, people on YouTube will be jerks and spoil things unintentionally. And if that's something you're worried about, you know, stay away from that.
2: An example, because you mentioned zero Scape, which is, like, point and click you want to talk about uh, something that I would never want spoiled? It's Telltale games. Oh,
0: yeah. Because yeah. those are
2: really important. That is a part of the gameplay, making decisions. It's so kind of like, what's the point?
0: Oh, and so especially those cliffhangers at the end. Uh, like, you know, in Batman, yeah. the Telltale series from this past year, like, there are great... Spoiler moments that come from those yes. cliffhangers, and it's just like something like I, I'd I'd want to talk about that with people, but like it's, yes. yeah, it's still too new, and it's still a big part of the game. The story is everything with Telltale.
2: Yeah, because yeah. it I'd agree with that. I've only played two Telltale games. I played Batman, which I beat, and it was fantastic. I thought, uh, like I said, I don't think it'll ever live up to Arkham, but you can't with Batman. It was his own thing, you know. Took liberties with the canon. It was really, really quite good. Then I played Wolf Among Us was the other one. Yeah. Both comic book attractions both great. Both worlds I'd love to jump back into for next season. I don't think we'll get that with Wolf Among Us. Do I,
0: yeah, but that Wolf I Among Us we'll was really good.
2: Batman. Wolf Among Us was great. I think we'll get it with Batman. I'd be shocked, but at the same time, I am worried we won't. And that it's just going to end that way. What do you think?
0: I think that? DC is pretty happy with how Telltale did. And... You know the yeah. partnerships that they did, you know, with Greg Miller to make that talk show. The yeah, that, I think that I kind of shows that. a good faith with that property.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen it, and they do have to double down because they've got not just Telltale; they have Rocksteady's probably working on more games. I like hear they're working on a Superman game, uh, which we'll see how that turns out. And um, Warner Brothers Montreal is working on uh, supposedly on like a Batman bi game. These are all rumors. Of
0: right, Batman right. The the Damian Wayne and, game supposedly. Yeah. Yes.
2: That would be awesome because it feels like I hear it's like female black mask and like flamingo. That would be interesting, yeah. Yeah, like more obscure characters, white rabbit um, stuff. Uh, Yeah, I think that has potential to be really cool. I love to see that. Because Warner Brothers Montreal, I think the reason why I didn't like Arkham Origins as much was despite, you know, some story beats I didn't like, it was also because the gameplay was too similar to City. Mm-hmm. and the environments were kind of recycled too because it was kind of cool but it was kind of also lame because I'm like oh here's this place but it just has snow <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah but I think if they have the chance to make their own thing like they definitely have a lot of potential and you bring up you know rumors are, are definitely part of it as well I mean yeah, you can even did talk a, about we what's did a,
2: yeah we did a thing about that with uh, leaks and stuff I remember
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I mean part of it is you could almost say you know that you know, spoilers have a, a part in uh, press conferences. I mean, when it came to the Switch conference, I mean, if you're uh, you know someone who wants to you know stay totally blind to that, like it's all a matter of balance. So I, I think there's nothing wrong essentially to to kind of summarize your point. I think there's nothing wrong with you know looking up things that you're excited for, but of course you have to be very yeah. careful. And that's all you know pre-release. Some people love to go on blackout. Some people to like to look up things within reason. I know, you know, when it came to Super Smash Brothers Brawl, I was looking up everything I could. Uh, even something like Mass Effect Andromeda, like watching the trailers, trying to, you know, look at different, you know, theories about it. Like that, that excites me. I mean, would people, you know, possibly glean possible plot elements from that? Yeah, possibly. And that I think that's part of the excitement. Um, you know, when it comes to stories that say like oh someone leaked the ending for resident evil 7 like click here to oh, find I out like I'm, it's like i'm i'm not gonna do that yet
2: no no, no. I, i'm so excited for tuesday oh my god it
0: that should, should be really good yeah
2: what are some anticipated games i don't think we've talked about that like besides the switch what are you anticipating this year
0: mm, good for question
2: resident evil seven and uh neo i have the demo for neo haven't played in a while because I played the beta like three months ago so I'm very rusty on it but I'm eager to get back in and you know get um, bounce off the ropes like get better you know rebound and stuff we'll
0: see. That makes sense and that's very Souls like. I I think my more anticipated games are kind of the ones that are just hitting in these next couple months Um, really you know Horizon and then Switch stuff with Breath of the Wild like that's really big on my list. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is huge but you know my most anticipated game of the year is persona 5 and i cannot wait for that at all (laughs) i I mean these delays have just toyed with my heart I haven't never
2: played a Persona. I played Persona Four, but my Vita got sold to again my brother. Oh sold
0: man, to your brother is—you gotta stop putting a, a crimp on your style here with video games.
2: <laughs> yeah, because and it's funny because they're talking about the 3DS. That's what he sold it for at the launch of the 3DS. It didn't oh have no. Any like what the hell are you doing, Stefan? Well, um, you you
0: got some ambassador games, so good, great.
2: Oh no, we I don't think we got ambassador games. We didn't get it at launch. We got a near launch, like somewhere near that. No, we didn't. Um, Damn. We didn't get anything. Yeah, I'm like Stefan.
0: Persona 4 Golden on Vita is my favorite game of all time, but it's it's something that has a very slow start, which it's actually something I'll be uh, talking a bit about at the end of the show here.
2: I've thought about getting a Vita, and I'm just uh, I'm not sure because I want to get the Switch, and Scorpio might be coming out, and I might get a job in March, so I'm hoping, you know. And if if that's the case, you know, I, I have to spend my bucks, you know, wisely. But yeah, definitely want to get a Vita. I just don't know what to play on it.
0: If you get anything, get a PlayStation TV. It's much cheaper. It connects to your TV, and it's great to play Vita games on TV. You can play almost all of the vita games on your tv i think right. that's much more worth saying,
2: it are you saying i don't need a vita to play vita games i just get a playstation tv cuz yeah. i thought
0: you needed it really yeah that that's the idea of playstation tv and i'm i'm kind of shocked it didn't work uh, to be honest for hack? sony so playstation tv plays vita games on your tv
2: in that case yeah forget about getting a the vita i'm just going to get yeah um how much is it
0: I think prices vary, but I think you could probably reliably find one for forty dollars. Yeah,
2: that's that's crazy. I'm gonna do that. All right. Um, yeah, thanks for telling me that.
0: Yeah, no problem. And, anyway. and save up for a Switch. If you're gonna get anything between a Switch and a oh, Vita, yeah. as much as I love my Vita, like Switch. you want to be on the the cutting edge of Switch.
2: Yeah. Anyways, I know I have to go. Thank you for having me on again, man.
0: No problem. You can find it's you nice. at a uh, PunkFan97. So go check him out on Twitter. Uh, thanks again, uh, Yvonne. All right. Bye. Yep. Take care. And from California, it's Rita. Welcome to the Power Switch. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing today, Peter? Doing great. Thank you for calling in. What's on your mind? Um,
3: spoilers since this is like what the show's about today?
0: Sure, um, yeah. I was thinking
3: specifically like the pre-release info that we got for Pokemon Sun and Moon. Do you think that was like way too much info that we got?
0: Yeah, I think it was a great way to roll out information. But by the end of it, when when you start talking about, oh, you can battle red Red, and blue (laughs) blue, like that, I think went too far (laughs) when you're starting to talk about, you know, basically post game content in your pre-release type like that was a bit far. But I mean, I love the idea of, you know, trailers every two to three weeks and show a couple new Pokemon. But I, I think, you know, they got to the point where there weren't many that were brand new. And of course, yeah. you know, part of the discovery with Pokemon is discovering the new creatures. I think their heart was in the right place. And it was nice to see that kind of marketing effort from Nintendo. But yeah, I think for pre-release, it got to be a bit too much, even for those that were you know eager to look up new info.
3: Definitely. From a different side of the, the coin, do you think they were doing it just because of spoilers? Like they know their fans like are very dedicated to the series and like, Rather than have it be spoiled by somebody on the internet with a review copy, let's say, do you think they did it? They chose to do it themselves just to avoid
0: like. Uh, I mean, yes and no. I think if that were the case, I think they would have put out the whole Pokédex on you know their own <laughs> whim because you know obviously with Pokemon games like they'll root through the the data, they'll come up with the Pokédex. They always find you know the mystery event Pokemon that are you know later down the line. I mean, Wahoopa was the example. Uh, Volcanion mm-hmm. was another one where it's like Nintendo's like, oh, these don't exist yet, we don't know what you're <laughs> talking about, blah, blah blah I mean, I think if that were the case, they would have just shown the whole Pokedex, but, you know And you say that? I think they actually did that with the Sun and Moon demo. They found out,
3: like all the Pokemon in just that demo because, Yeah, and, and um, it's
0: like, how, how do you
3: still <laughs> have that code in there? They left, like, the images in, but they took out the text, which oh, is boy. Uh, I don't know
0: you think they'd know better, but I mean, I think it's cool how they, you know, were vocal enough to kind of market their game. And I think, I think that shows with how well it sold. I mean, Pokemon yeah. Sun and Moon sold remarkably well. NPD released the top 10 selling games of the year. And what, Sun was number eight and Moon was 10. Like to have, I may be wrong about that. Something I read where both games were really high up there. And it's like, well, just imagine what they would have done if you combined their numbers.
3: Even myself, I've bought four different copies. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's that's dedication. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, does it really count if multiple if the one person buys multiple copies? Yeah,
0: that's- yeah, it all counts. That's you know, <laughs> number number of units. That that helps. Um, but you know, I think that was a good kind of learning lesson for them. Like you could also argue that, you know, Pokemon Go may have helped with the brand recognition that was very popular yeah. at the time. That could yeah. also be a factor. But to have it Constantly be in people's mindshare every couple of weeks with gaming news. I mean, God, I mean, <laughs> that was during the downtime of when I wasn't running a podcast. But I can only imagine to you know talk about game news and every couple of weeks you're talking about Pokemon Sun and Moon just like on a on a cycle. Uh, I yeah. think that really helps you know keep the game you know fresh in people's minds and that I'm sure that helped with sales. But I agree. I think they went a little too far.
3: Yeah, especially towards the end when people actually did started getting reviewed copies and there was this one 4chan leaker who like leaked it out Pokemon Moon to like everybody. Oh yeah. Like ten days before it actually came out. Right. And people were just disappointed that there was like really nothing more to the game, like at that point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I, I can see that. I mean I-, I thought the story was okay, the characters were pretty okay. I I liked the soundtrack to the game actually, but yeah. Yeah, when they started talking about like the Ultra Beasts, and you know they're showing almost all of them in promotional material. They, they didn't show you know creatures like Necrozma or anything like, thing like that. But right. um, yeah, they did leave a couple things. But I think overall, maybe the game's weakest point, especially when you compare it to the previous entries, is the lack of post-game content.
3: Yeah, ever since probably like Gen 6... I mean, Gen 5 had Pokemon World Tournament, mm-hmm. but then Gen 5 just was, like, the last time they did something fun like that. I don't really count, like, Battle Maison and Battle Tree as, like, too fun. Right. <laughs> it's all competitive stuff. Like, you need a competitive team to do well at that kind of stuff. And it's exactly. like, well, they're still casual players, and they just want to look for something to do after the game.
0: And then when you looked at something like Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, I mean, to have, you know, the... The Mirage um, sort of islands yeah. pop up where you can catch basically all of the legendaries. I, that is such a smart idea. Yeah. There have been certain things after launch with Pokemon Sun and Moon. I mean, you can talk about the global events where they have way too high expectations. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, that's ridiculous. Or, like, it's almost the end of January. Like, how is the Pokemon Bank functionality not sorted out yet? Like, what's yeah, what's the deal with that? So, little things like that, I think, you know, they could... Learn a better lesson going forward. Maybe they're just devoting all their work to Pokemon Stars for Switch, one can hope. Um, I was kind of yeah. disappointed
3: we didn't get any of that info during the. Presentation.
0: <laughs> yes, but at the same time, I think the logic still stands that they want to sell more copies of Sun and Moon. Like it's only yeah. a couple months out, and you don't want to cut the sales out when it's you know still selling lots on 3DS. So I guess I kind of get that, but it, yeah, it's the whole wait for E3 thing. So I think there were a lot of lessons that you know they learned, uh, you know, possibly with spoilers. But at the same time, like I think I I hope at least that they figured out that you know keeping the marketing going and consistent. Really helps to sell copies, especially for those that are eager for information. But have people dig for spoilers if they want them. Don't provide too much, and you'll know, have the you know people possibly disappointed.
3: Yeah, I mean it definitely helped me because I I ran a Pokemon podcast. If nobody knew that, with my friend, uh, and during the whole time that the information was coming out, we had stuff to talk about. And then as stuff stopped coming out we just stopped doing the show because there was nothing to talk about it anymore. Oh, man! Yeah. So there was a good moment for that. I mean, for me, I guess, but yeah, I mean, that's really it for Pokemon. I think for mm-hmm. a while now, yeah, I'm kind of spent with Pokemon.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, it's tough. It's definitely a game where if you go too much, you can burn out a bit easily. And it's something, it's something I, I would like to talk about, you know, the story and all that at some point, but again, yeah. it, it's, it's maybe something for a spoiler cast with this show, but yeah, to just talk about it openly. I mean, we're still you know less than a year. Like, I'd I'd rather not do that. But
3: uh. I think my combined playtime between Sun and Moon has reached almost four hundred hours now. That's amazing. Yeah, kudos <laughs> to
0: you. I think I only could put in thirty on Moon. And 50, so.
3: and fifty hours was like the main playthrough.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I don't know. Yeah.
0: I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Tired and oh, a little tired of Pokemon. Well, anything um, else? I mean, wh- where can people find you on the internet, Rita?
3: Um, You could find me on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash I upload Hatsune Miku videos now because I got a capture card recently, actually. And um, for some reason, the PS4 doesn't let you record certain games. I guess a good example would be some games with, like, Intensive cutscenes, I guess, like that they don't want out on the internet. Yeah, they, and it, they like, do block the recordings.
0: Yes, they do block those. And one I did notice was when you beat Final Fantasy 15 the title screen <laughs> changes. Yeah. And so it's like every time you boot up the game, it's like, oh, we don't want to show you the title screen. Like, oh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, that, that's tricky, though, to manage like the HDCP and all that with capture cards. But yeah, uh, well, good stuff. Yeah. And on Twitter? And
3: then. Twitter, if you want to follow me, uh, it's a weird handle because I'm tricky, uh, but my Twitter username is Calistegia, but instead of an L, it's an I, a, a uppercase I, because Calistegia was taken on Twitter.
0: I never noticed that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I it was just like, oh, that's a, that's a good uh, Persona 4 Dancing All Night <laughs> reference, but no. yeah. tricky, tricky.
3: Dancing All Night was a good game.
0: I, I, I don't care like what it. everybody's talking about. I, I, I like the music. The, the story yeah. was not not the best, but I not really like the music. But
3: They they say that they are milking it, but I enjoyed all the flavors of the milk that Atlas gave us.
0: <laughs> that's a good way of putting it, yeah.
3: <laughs> Alright, well, all right.
0: that's pretty much it for me. Alright, Rita, thanks so much for calling in. Appreciate it. No problem. It was fun. Alright, when we come back, I'll have a segment where I like to compare a couple games and how they begin. Although when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's Tempo Control music is brought to you by Resident Evil 2. You can find a new Video Game Music Top 10 list with a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at YouTube.com slash RhymesWithAsia. Now, I'd like to wrap up the show with a segment I like to call Good Tutorial vs. Bad Tutorial. The way games open is very important. Some of these games handle this very well. Some of these games don't. And just so happens that the games I've been playing recently handle these opening segments of their game in very different ways. So let's first talk about Watch Dogs 2. I'll bring it up for the third straight episode. Why not? Because I think this tutorial is really important to mention. Like it's a it's a very good introduction to the game. So the way it introduces itself, it you know shows your character Marcus Holloway, and it shows that he's been accused of a crime that he didn't commit essentially. But with his hacking skills, he can go into the big computer system, the evil CTOS system that's taking control of San Francisco, and he wants to break into their server room and delete his record so he can be off the grid and, you know, stop being falsely accused of this crime. So how would he go and do that? He has to infiltrate the server room. So the way they do this is it shows, you know, it starts with cover to show the workings of the cover system. Cause you have to go in stealthy. Yeah. You, know, you can't just break into this big, you know, secret corporation's server room just to, you know, do something illegal, essentially. But you can't go in guns blazing, you know, you gotta gotta start with stealth. So they really show that off very well, you know, show how you can move around uh, the cover system, you show how you can kind of see the environment, have guards pop up as red, you know, show your options, essentially, and then whether you want to either melee, you know, from behind to, you know, stealth takedown, or, you know, use a stun gun. So it provides different ways that you can kind of work through first this open environment before you get into the actual server room, which is a multi-layered environment. So it, it kind of builds on that knowledge, has the the soundtrack going, really gets you in this mood of what the basic combat gameplay is like. Sure, eventually they'll, you know, add hacking things later down the line, but the fundamentals of combat, really important to kind of set the mood, set the narrative, and just set the overall feel of Watch Dogs 2, and I think the way that they introduced these different steps to you to have the player then actually engage and interact with that, to kind of really have this great intro mission to the game, I think that was really well done, and it set off the game on a really good pace. Now, missions later down the line that we already covered on the show, it kind of bothered me how when the police are swarming you, like even on an easier difficulty, it's very, very difficult and you have to trick the AI essentially to get it to work. I mean, that's what I found. But the tutorial in Watch Dogs 2, very good. Then we talked about gaming resolutions for 2017. Now I'm traveling. I'm here in Portland, Maine in this hotel and I started to play The Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky, playing the... PSP version, essentially, on my PlayStation Vita. It's also available on PC, but I figure if I'm gonna play a long RPG and I'm gonna be traveling a lot, I might as well play this on the go on my Vita. So I fire up the game. Certainly a little dated graphics with PSP, that's fine. Now, I'm going through this not knowing anything about the Legend of Heroes series, nothing about Trails in the Sky. I know there's also Cold Steel, but I really don't know anything about this game. So, you open up, you're the, there's this uh, this girl character, she's having a conversation with her dad, her dad's come home from you know, some time out working, and oh, they have this jovial conversation, but the dad has a present, it's a boy, and he's unconscious, he has amnesia, because of course he does, and... You know, well, what's my name? Oh, okay, my name is... And then they go to a opening sequence, a title sequence. Uh, Almost like, you know, Tales of Symphonia, how that opens and it's an anime, sort of, with, you know, with music and things happening. At least Tales of Symphonia made kind of sense what was going on, in a way. Uh, But The Legend of Heroes, uh, Trails in the Sky, a lot of things happening... Doesn't explain anything. What's going on? I have no idea what to expect with the story, even from this opening, like you know, title sequence. Uh, it just makes little sense. So, Okay, fine. We come back, and the the characters. It's probably now a couple years later. They they seem to be a family now. They're getting along well, and uh, these these two characters, Estelle and Joshua, they're going to be bracers. Uh, Okay, they, they say what bracers are, but what are bracers? Okay, I guess they take care of jobs around town? And there's this technology, there's quartz that gets put into weapons that allow for magic? Okay, this could be explained better. When a game has you talking to characters and say, what would you like to know about? And there's a list of things for you to click on, and then the character just dumps exposition? that's not the way to get invested in the world. So there's just you know a lot of reading, a lot of text. You know, okay, we'll go into town. We talk to some people. Okay, this is how you attach quartz to your weapons. Uh, all right, and here are the moves that you can look at. Here, open this book and see this huge list of moves depending on the different types of quartz that you apply to your weapons. Uh, oh, Okay, this is a lot. Why are you throwing this at me? And it's about... 40 minutes in and I finally got to the opening mission. There has still been no real gameplay aside from going around town, talking to people, getting exposition dumps. I have no idea what the story is going to be and this is supposed to be one of the best RPGs of the last 10 years according to different sources. So I'm I'm still interested. I mean, the characters seem interesting. It's at least written pretty well. But this is not how to do a tutorial. I'm 40 minutes in. I've gotten to the dungeon. So I guess I'm about to soon get into some battle gameplay, perhaps. Dungeon exploring, maybe. I don't know. I still have no idea what the battle system is like. There's no sense of an overarching threat. These characters are just learning how to be bracers. So that, I would say, is a bad tutorial. I mean, certainly great games can have long openings and bad tutorials. I mean, you look at... Kingdom Hearts 2, not the greatest tutorial, the very, very long intro sequence. I mean, Persona 4, as much as I love Persona 4 and Persona 4 Golden, a lot of talking, a lot of not much gameplay, very long, but, man, an excellent game. So I'm not giving up on Trails in the Sky yet, but, you know, some people, that may be a deal breaker for them because... It's not a great tutorial. There's not a lot going on. So I want to at least highlight at least the differences just between those very different games. But good tutorial versus bad tutorial. I think it's just worth talking about. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ThePowerSwitch. And you can email us questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at powerswitchpod at gmail.com. Most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting rhymeswithasia.com slash call. It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. So I'll have to get back from travel soon, at least in the middle of the week, before I... Go back out to Las Vegas for the next weekend. So maybe next weekend we'll have another show from Vegas uh, with this mobile setup. But hopefully maybe one in the middle of the week, depending on what game news happens. So stay tuned to that Discord channel, to our Twitter account. We'll be posting when we host these episodes. And regardless, whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for that next episode. With that, I'm Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on.